In this episode of the Talent Cast, we have our Frankenstein's monster, or Frankenstein's moment, that is taking something dead like an employer brand and making it live again. It's alive! Or something like that. It's early. Second cup of coffee. We'll be right back. Howdy! Welcome to The Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I, am always, am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We have instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, You can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, As always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. It's James Ellis here, uh, recording live at the bunker. I guess the studio. The uh, I gotta come up with a name for this. You know, my living room or my kitchen, depending. That's where I alternately, uh, alternatively, record these. Hey, how you doing? Um, so, uh, we've been talking a lot about employer brand, and today is no exception. Except we're gonna take a completely different approach to employer brand. We're gonna stop being quite so theoretical about it because you know the concept of a brand is incredibly intensely theoretical. That's why everybody writes lots of books about it, and no one can agree what the heck it is, and people still think a brand is a logo, and it's not. So we're going to you know, spend a couple seconds just reminding everybody, excuse me, what your employer brand is, what it is, why it matters, but we're really going to focus on activating it, and specifically, very specifically, how to get your employees to activate your employer brand. Now, I want you to just think that sentence through just for a minute. How do you get your employees to activate your employer brand. Hmm. <laughs> Anybody else see the tension in that thought? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be fun. So to start from scratch, if you haven't listened to all of our award-winning previous podcasts, and by award-winning, I mean uh, my mom likes them. So uh, <laughs> no, and actually, first off, thank you for everybody who reviewed. I'm up to five, so I have an official iTunes review uh, rating. I'm at four, four and a half stars, so that's pretty good for a guy in his living room. Uh, so in previous episodes, we've talked about employer brand. What is an employer brand? To quote the great and powerful Jeff Bezos, uh, who may or may not be the person who gets us to Mars. Oh, this is a weird, weird world, right? Um, player brand, effectively, to paraphrase, is what people say about you when they're not being paid to be nice or not being paid to, you know, to, to, to say nice things about you. It's really what people say about you as an employer. You know, do they like working for you? What are they getting out of working for you? What's the value of working for you? Why do they keep coming back day after day? Is it just the paycheck? Maybe, maybe not. I, you know, I saw a great article about confirming, you know, for the bajillionth time that salary is not the most core motivator of people's uh, career opportunity decisions. That you know, flexibility right now is tops on the list. Flexibility being defined a lot of different ways, but mostly it's about 
look, this is a world of the side hustle and multiple jobs and let's all be Uber drivers, I guess, because, you know, that's the way it's got to be some days. You know, we have to have flexibility. We don't have a nine to five world. It doesn't exist anymore. You know, the nine to five world made a lot of sense. We were all working for big companies and they all worked on the same schedules. Does anybody, is anybody old enough to remember, and some of you might be, when banks closed at three in the afternoon? This was a long time ago. That made sense in a world where everybody worked the same hours. Everybody took their lunch break and did the bank thing, which you know everybody complained about because they had to kill a lunch break to go to do the bank thing because there were no ATMs. Yes, I'm 44. I remember those days. But in a world where nothing, everything's 24-7 and global and all that good stuff, you have to be flexible. You have to be aware that, oh, man, I got that a Japanese call or Australia call, which means I got to be up late so they can wake, you know, or wake up early, or I got to be up early so I can talk to uh, Poland. You know, this is a global world and it's a very flexible, funny kind of thing. So we want jobs that are similarly flexible, jobs that allow us to look for uh, professional development opportunities, to do side hustles, to do other things, to have, you know, families and kids and all those fun things. Flexibility is kind of key. So. When you're establishing your employer brand, why do people work for you? You want to come up with a reason. Is it just salary? Is it just your you've got a big sack of money, you're throwing money at people? Because the answer to that is probably no. There are a couple of companies who can do that. Mm, let's start the list with Google, Facebook, and I don't know, Goldman Sachs probably. Beyond that, not too many people really have those opportunities. Uh, and to be fair, if you're not on blind, and you should be, I think it's fascinating because it is a very... Uh, Valley Seattle heavy tech perspective on how job works and they seem to think that Google and Amazon and Facebook are the norm and not the actual unicorns that they are. I've talked about that already. Um, but it's fascinating to see how people talk about, you know, what is a regular, what is a standard job offer straight out of college and, you know, what people should expect and everybody's, because of this lack of transparency, which we talked about with Kirsten Davidson uh, in a very early episode about the concept that one day all of our salaries will effectively become transparent, that everybody will know what everybody else is making to, to a, a great extent. You know, without that transparency, we're all a little paranoid. We're all a little freaked out. So we're all looking over our shoulder and looking over everybody else's shoulder to see what are we making? Am I getting taken advantage of? And you see these articles. Oh, you see all these articles that are absolutely true, I'm certain. But at the same time, feeding that paranoia. For example, women still making 70 whatever cents or 80 cents on the dollar for men. And then God help you if you're a person of color, that number does not go up. Um, everybody's paranoid. Everybody's paranoid. You know, and it's complicated, and one day the transparency will clear that up. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about why do people actually show up? Why do the strong performers, and I think this is key, it's not just why your average person shows up. Why do your strong performers keep showing up? Because in the end, let's just let's pretend you are in the talent preparation, planning, workforce development world. You don't take what comes your way. You have to make decisions, and you have to say, you know what, what we're trying to do here is develop a sales team or we're developing a engineering team we're developing a, a very particular technological stack and we need skilled people for that you don't take people who just say yes I have that word on my resume once it's like hiring me to run your Lotus Notes install trust me you don't want that you really don't want that what you do want to do is figure out who is great at it internally and clone them right that's really your best case scenario you look at your best salesperson you go how do I make five more of them or 500 more of them or you know and extrapolate that out you really want more of the best you don't want to fill seats you know you want good people even jobs where maybe 10 years ago we'd say eh, we'll just fill some seats you know classically customer service and I know because I used to have to live that world 
it said uh, 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 computer on my resume, so I got this job at 10 bucks an hour at IBM a long time ago. And I looked around, and I saw all these people who were like, <laughs> they could barely spell. And it was like, okay, how did I get looped in with these people? It was a, it was a cattle call. They knew we were all going to quit in 6 to 12 months. They didn't care. They just needed people to pick up the phone. But now customer service is not that. There are great customer service people, and the, those people make real impact on the business. You don't want to fill seats. You don't want the butts in seats model, the pray and the 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 post and pray model of the you know. Let's just get some talent. Let's just get some stuff. Let's just get some ads out there. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's a global talent community. It's a global world. You want great people. You want to make something good. You want to make your company survive. You need great talent. Simple as that, right? Okay. Hold on. I'm taking a breath. Not even coughing. Just taking a breath. I got myself worked up. So if you want great talent, you want to look and say, how do I get more of the great talent to show up? And so when you want to do is take your, you know, the reason why they show up and activate that. You want to figure out, okay, if they're here because the thing that you offer is the people, which you hear a lot and it's hard. It's a, it's a tough sell. So we're going to walk away from that one. But it's the technology or it's the processes or it's the flexibility or it's the salary. Maybe you are one of those companies where you can just throw money at the problems and that's, that's good enough. And you're going to attract people who are fairly mercenary and show up and stick around so long as the money's good. And as soon as the money's gone, bye-bye, they're going to leave. Simple as that. So you got to figure out why people should want to work for you. That's called your employer brand, really. You know, employer brand is saying taking is making a flag, and and everybody remembers the Steve Jobs story of him uh, early, early on in Apple and hoisting the pirate flag, saying to everyone, "We are the the pirates to Am to IBM. You know, we are going to raid their ships, and we are going to take over, and we're going to have a different mentality." He was literally, 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 and I'm using that word accurately, literally raising a flag about what his company stood for. An employer brand is effectively the same. If, you, if it's the 80s and you want to be a pirate, there's only one place to work. It's called Apple. If you work at Apple and you don't want to be a pirate, guess what? You are polishing up your resume. This is not a place for you anymore. Simple as that, right? So your employer brand is telling the world, this is who you are. This is what you're all about. This is what you care about. And realistically, this, these are the kinds of people who will be successful here, who will be, ugh, I don't know if I want to go here, but I'm going to go here, satisfied professionally and, 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 and personally. That's what they want. They want personal and professional satisfaction. These are the kinds of people who will find that satisfaction with us. And those people are hopefully seeing that and attracting that. Now, in that kind of linear process, you build a brand, you hoist the flag up, people see the flag, people decide they want to be part of that thing and they join. There's a piece of that that is often, <laughs> very, very often overlooked or at least skimmed over right? Everybody remembers that South Park episode where the underwear gnomes were stealing all the underwear and they said, why are you doing this? We have a plan. Step one, <clears throat> steal all the underwear. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. And that was the, was their metaphor for the entire internet boom uh, of the early, early 2000s. Uh, step three, profit is, is, is truly a classic of the many fa things that they have done that is funny. And it's been many, many years since I've watched that show. Um, but that is classic. Truly step three, profit because step two is question marks because they're not sure how to activate it and turn this activity they're doing into money. Uh, but I love that model. But the same thing is true for talent. We have this idea of step one, develop an incredibly intense and powerful and strong employer brand. Step two, something happens. Step three, talent. You know, it's the same thing. What we're going to talk about today is that step two. 
We're going to talk about taking that employer brand that you've worked so hard on some level, I hope, uh, to establish and to make honest and authentic and real and strong and valuable, valid and valuable and, if you can help it, defensible, and turn it into something people can see. Now, I'm not going to ask everybody to start investing in flags. Really, Steve's kind of, God rest his soul, wherever he is, um, he kind of owns that one. You, you, you <laughs> if you go plant or try literally putting a, a pirate flag up in your building, um, everyone's going to go, well, what are you channeling, Steve? You're, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, can't, can't be done. He kind of claimed it. It's, it's his. We're done. But there are about a million other ways to activate your employer brand. Literally, I mean, a million ways you could activate the employer brand. Um, <clears throat> but I want to talk about very specifically, how do you get your employees to activate your employer brand? Go back to what I said. You want great talent, so you figure out who's great inside your organization already and clone them, right? What you really want is to have an employer brand so authentic and honest and real and uh, concrete and defensible and all those good things that everybody is embodying the brand. Now, that's a nice thing to feel and hope for and desire, but what does it mean? And then how do you know you're doing it? And then how do you really make it happen? Because what you really want to do is you want every person, whether they pick up the phone all day or weld this thing every day or sell a, proj a product every day or they, I don't know, whatever they do, they're running a tech stack or they're developing an architecture or they're running financial models. I don't know, whatever they do all day. <clears throat> you want every single person to embrace that brand, to be part of that, to say, look, I've picked this company and I stick at this company because of X. And that when you listen to the tens or dozens, hundreds or thousands of people who work at your company and you pull them all and you say, why? They all have reasons that are vaguely similar. You don't want some people who say, yeah, I'm here for the money. And some people who say, oh, I got a cough. Excuse me. I'm so glad I found the, the, the cough button. You want some people who are, who are here for the money and some people who are here for the flexibility and some people are here for the brand name, the brand recognition, and some people are here because they know that a job here for three years will set their career for life or some people who are here because it's the most consistently warm and fuzzy bunny office culture you've ever seen. If they all have these various different senses of what your employer brand is, you don't really have an employer brand even across teams. And we talked about that last week. Even if, and you know, here's a great example, sales versus HR, these are generally very different cultures, but at the same time, they can be still aligned under the same employer brand. So if you've done the good work of getting your employer brand and selling it internally, and that could be a whole episode, maybe it should be, of this podcast about how do you actually sell it internally, uh, which is something on my mind a lot this month, he says, no spoilers. Um, how do you actually turn it into something? Now, okay, so let's skip ahead to this idea that you have the brand and you've got internal buy-in and you've actually pitched it internally and people know it and you've seen it and you've done some stuff to get people to go, yeah, I get what you're saying and some weeks have gone by and people have started to embrace it and absorb it into their day-to-day -day life and actually internalized it. There's a great word. They've internalized that brand and they all kind of have similar reasons for working for you. Great, great. Man, that's a great one. And I, I don't mean to skip over step two, that happens, but that's for another episode. Now, what do you do? Well, how do you get that to project? Now, I've seen a lot of, and I'm on LinkedIn a lot because, you know, this is what I do. Um, I see a lot of people who talk about how they like to amplify the brand. And I, I am, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm torn about that term. 
I get the idea that once you have a brand, you want to spread it out and get as many people as possible. And an amplification process is a means of doing that. But I don't like it as a metaphor on a lot of levels. But the key is the sense of amplifying a brand says the brand comes from a single source. Like you think of a, a singer and they have a microphone in front of them. You want to amplify that microphone and you turn the knob up and you turn the volume up. That assumes there's a single source of information of that brand. Now, if you're a big company and you're talking about your product, you are probably the, the, the primary source of information. But anybody who reviews products and every blogger talks about it, you're another source of that brand. Does this product do that thing? Is it living up to its brand promise? It gets even more complicated when you're talking about an employer brand because every employee is a voice of that employer brand. It is inherently a distributed model. You almost can't amplify because there's so many different voices. It's not a matter of amplifying the core message and the core voice. It's about enabling and empowering, and I'm sorry, I have to apologize when I use those phrases because I think they're kind of stupid, but here they happen to be true. Enabling and empowering all these other people to embody and project their version of the employer brand. You've got 100 people who work for you, all different jobs, all different roles, all different teams, whatever. You want each and every one of them to go on Saturday, on a, you know, first day of spring, I say looking out uh, you know, outside, it's gorgeous, it's going to crack 65 here in Chicago this weekend, it's, it's lovely, I might actually go out with my kid and fly a kite, it's going to be that kind of day. Um, it's a gorgeous day and everybody's going to go outside and they're all going to go, maybe they're going to go day drinking on a, on a patio, maybe they're going to go have a picnic, maybe they're going to hang out with their family, maybe they're going to fly a kite and they run into people. Each one of those hundred people is outside interacting with other people. Someone's going to say, where do you work and what do you do? You want them to be able to talk about their work comfortably, positively, in the hopes that one out of a hundred of those people they talk to might actually be interested in looking for a job with you. You want to make sure they're all aligned. Now, if you go back to a, a brand amplification model, what you're saying is there's a core message that everybody should have. You're, what you're, that means you're going to have to write some t uh, talking points, hand them to everybody, teach them to recite them, and hope they don't feel stupid reciting them to strangers. Best of luck with that. What you need to do instead is embrace this idea of a faceted approach and say, look, you, Susan, whatever your last name is, I don't know why I went Susan, but there you go, um, you are in sales and when you see the brand, you know, these are the things that you care about and you have to develop internally to yourself the reasons why you work for this place. Now, as the employer brand person, I'm going to help you structure that and I hope it aligns to a single North star. But in the end, Susan has her own way of seeing it and verbalizing it. It's, she's got an individual's mind. She's going to have an individual approach to it. If you ask 100 people what Star Wars is about, you get 100 answers. Star Wars is a two-hour and 10-minute movie, right? We all saw the exact same cut of the movie. We all have different impressions of what that says. Is it a hero's journey? Is it a sci-fi flick? Is it uh, female empowerment? Is it an uh, example of a great summer blockbuster? Everybody saw something different in it, and that's okay. You just have to make sure it's kind of aligned in the same structure. So your employer brand... It's personal. People are going to absorb it and take it and say, that's why I work there. So you have to let that happen. So you can't give talking points to people. You have to give a structure to people so that they can figure out how to embrace it, internalize it on their own. Right? Okay, so they're at these parties and they're speaking to these people. They're not speaking to hundreds of people. 
Amplification is a bad metaphor here. It's about connecting. It's about being an ambassador. And I think the brand ambassador is a better model. These people are employee, employee ambassadors of your employer or brand. That's where we started. That's what we talked about, that internal friction of the two different audiences here. You've got the employer who's got, and I apologize that I'm over, I'm emphasizing, but I need to, I feel like in this sentence, in this kind of section of it, employer who has, who wants a centralized message, who wants a centralized focus because that's how it works. That's what they want. They're a centralized entity. Uh, even with a million people working in it, they still have a set need for a core message. And then you have the employee who, um, they, they're a person, they're an individual. They're not a segment. They're not a demographic. They're not a cohort. They're a person, a person who likes to, you know, likes particular things on Netflix and likes to watch certain movies and likes particular booze or beer or has, you know, really hates Italian food for some reason. And I don't know anybody who hates Italian food, but someone's got to be out there. So they're an, an individual. They have their own likes and needs. They do like Van Gogh. They don't like Van Gogh. They like what they like. They're people. They're into country music. They hate country music. They're people, right? <laughs> Simple as that. You can't break them up into segments and demographic groupings. They're people. They're people. I don't care. Put your psychographics away. No, they're people. So you need them to embrace that employer brand. And that's the most effective way and the most, and really the hardest way, because it is the most effective, because there is a correlation between the, the, the more effective something is, the harder it is to do right. Um, to get your brand out there appropriately. So let's say, you know, let's, let's mirror these models. You have the model that says, I'm going to tell you what the talking points are and you just kind of spew them out, you know, like it's uh, Sunday news network shows and everybody's got to say the same things about president, whatever. And it's, they're clearly singing from the same hymnal, which you hear the same phrasing over and over and over again. It sounds stupid. It doesn't sound personal. It doesn't sound real. It loses authentic authenticity real fast. But it's easy to manage. It's easy to structure. You can pivot faster. You can make changes faster. But it's not believable, so who cares if you can pivot faster? In an ambassador model, you have a big idea. You have a big idea that you've tried to extrapolate and extend to lots of different audiences and lots of different people and lots of different motivations and needs and all those other good things, and you let them internalize it. And you let them tell their story. And that's, that's the real trick to it. The truth is, if you have a thousand people who work for you or work with you, you have a thousand different opportunities for storytelling, which means you're not telling the same story. You're telling potentially tens of thousands of stories. Everybody has lots of different stories about that time that thing happened. Now, done well, people are telling stories that align with that bigger brand message, or they're telling the story in such a way that they are showing and illuminating that element of the brand message. Again, go back to Star Wars. If I tell you this is the greatest women's empowerment movie of the 70s, and you're like, uh, okay, and you watch Star Wars, you're going to see the women's empowerment movie, and you're going to see that story told in the lens of female empowerment. You're going to say, wow, Princess Leia, what a badass. Hell yeah. Or... If I tell you it's the greatest tale of good versus evil, that's the frame you're going to look through it. You're going to see that story. You're going to say, oh, yeah, this is a great tale of good versus evil. I get it now. So if you establish that frame, people not only pick good stories, they tell the stories in ways of highlighting the elements that align with that message. Right? It's, it's complicated. It's messy, but I'm hoping you're getting it. And, you know, I landed on Star Wars just kind of randomly, but there you go. Um, but that's the idea. You want people, when we say we want people to embrace it, we don't mean we want them to use their accent on it. 
or their own particular words on telling the exact same idea. We're saying, look, we're all about being, and I'm gonna go to Amazon here because I've used it before. We're all about being pioneers. And every single person at Amazon, I would bet, has their own story in which they show off how much they have been pioneers or seen people who are pioneers or done work that has helped been pioneering. And if you polled everybody, they would be different stories or mostly different stories. I'm sure people shared stories. That's the trick. Then it seems authentic. You're seeing all these different facets, all these different elements. No, forget facets. Let's go to Pixelist Paintings. It's Sunday of the afternoon. It's Sundays at the Park with George. Everybody has a different color pigment and a different dot, and they make their dot, and that dot seems like, oh, that's interesting. That's a pink dot or a blue dot or a green dot or a white dot or a black dot or great, whatever. It's a dot. And then you take four or five steps back and you go, oh, wow. It's coalescing into this picture, this idea of people at the park on a Sunday who are entirely too dressed up <laughs> for our age. But still, you get it. It's a painting. It forms a painting. And that's what we're talking about. You want to create a framework, an idea, that allows people to tell their particular story such that they create the exact right color or close enough color dot in the exact right spot so that when you step back, you go, yeah, I get it. I get it. Because job hunters aren't always gonna have the chance to dive deep into a single dot, okay? Think about it, where are they gonna get access to it? Maybe they're gonna read a couple of Glassdoor reviews, maybe in a couple of Indeed reviews where people are telling their story, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, maybe they run into somebody, maybe they know somebody. I know people who, my previous job, if they knew I worked there, they would actually ask me, let's go to coffee, let me explain, tell me about this company. I love doing that. And again, here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. That ha doesn't happen all the time. Especially if you're working remote. If you're, you know, Amazon, you're, someone's in Chicago, there's not, an, as far as I know, I don't think there's an Amazon branch out here that, you know, you can talk to other Amazonians. However, if you're in Seattle, you're surrounded by them. <laughs> you can actually ask them, what is your particular story? And if you get 10 or 12 different stories, plus the Glassdoor reviews and the stories in the New York Times and all those other stuff, you create your picture. And the best case scenario, the goal, the, the, the literally the objective of all of this is the person who's looking for a job, their sense of what that picture you're painting is and the sense of the picture you're trying to paint should be the same. That's the win. That's the win. If Amazon's all about pioneers, forget it, let's skip Amazon. We talked too much about Amazon. Let's go to SpaceX because that's a great one too. SpaceX getting reamed in Glassdoor because, God, this is, there's no work-life balance and everybody's really serious here and everybody's really tough on each other, very super critical here. And it's like, yeah, that sounds like a horrible place to work until you apply the frame of, yeah, we're going to Mars. It's kind of the hardest job ever. So we're not trying to build, do amazing things the easy way because that's not possible. We're, we know we have to do the hard things, which means we have to take this stuff seriously. And thus we take the work seriously. In that frame, you're creating a different picture the sense of overly critical, it's because people are gonna be in space and on Mars and it kinda has to work, right? It, th this is a huge endeavor. This is a life-changing, world history-changing endeavor. Getting it wrong means people die. So they take it seriously. I mean, give them a break. <laughs> I would too. I'd take that pretty seriously if I was entrusted with lives like that. Um, and that's the thing, is that you want that picture so when someone goes, should I work at SpaceX? And they go, ugh, long hours, whatever. They don't go, oh, yeah, this is a place where people are just jerks to each other. That's not true. No, I don't think, I, mean, I don't know, but I don't think it is. Um, you want them to say, yeah, it's inside that frame of the picture to create and to, to, um, 
to crystallize or to focus in front of them to be that, you know, we're going to Mars and we, this is big and this is hard, so we do the big and hard things. And that requires a little different approach than your average company. That's a, that's a story, that's a brand that makes sense. As you know by now, this is a pitch-free zone. This is all about education. This is all about learning something. This is all about helping each other and taking what we're learning from each other and, and passing it along to the next person. So that means this is free. I mean, in every complete sense of the word, free. What I'm going to ask, though, instead of a credit card number, is that you simply share this and that you review this on iTunes or Google Play. I, that's that's the thing that gets this in front of as many people as possible. I'm doing this because I love doing it, but frankly, the more people listen to it, the more I love doing it. Go to iTunes. It takes a couple of seconds to just simply throw a couple of star review on that one and maybe say something nice or not. Complain. Feel free. I don't care. Uh, but the more reviews we get, the better off the show ends up being. So that's all I'm asking for. Otherwise, uh, have a great rest of the podcast. Here we go back to the, the show. So how do you get that in front of the most people? Oh, it's that, you know, the let's just amplify it or get it in front of many people. It's not just about making ambassadors. It's about getting those ambassadors to be feel comfortable and willing to share those stories. Now, I'm a big proponent that uncertainty kills. Oh, uncertainty kills. It's just the worst. If you don't think you can make that IKEA bed frame are you buying a bed frame? No, you're not. If you wonder how hard it's going to be to get that bed frame, that flat packed bed frame into your car, do you put it on your list? No, you don't. If you think you might be able to put your insurer, you're far less likely to do the thing. Uncertainty kills. If your employee isn't sure if they should talk about that new product, they're not going to do it even if you're desperate for them to do so. <laughs> if you haven't communicated exactly what's okay and what's not, if you've allowed uncertainty to creep in, uncertainty kills your communication channels. If you tell your entire staff, hey, we love it if you shared our stories on Facebook and that was the end of that email, guess what? Nothing's happening. Why? Because you didn't answer the question of which stories or why. Or to whom? Or what happens if I do this wrong? Am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to get fired for sharing the wrong stories to the wrong audience on my Facebook channel? This is my personal Facebook channel. They're going to know it's me. Uncertainty killed that project. So if you're going to ask these people who, let's be fair, their day job is not to be your brand ambassador, thanks for asking. They've got actual day jobs. They've got things to do all day long and things to think about and things that they're going to be expert, experts at. Being your brand ambassador is simply not that thing. You, if you want them to communicate it out, and trust me, you do, spoiler, um, you've got to get, make it clear what you want them to do and why. You have to kill the uncertainty. Everything you do should be under this umbrella of how do I kill uncertainty? Now, this doesn't mean scripting out what you want them to do. Hey, I want you to go, hit the button, do the thing, say this, submit. You can't do that. That is whatever that pendulum swing the absolute all the way over and it's too much you got to get them to a point where they understand i understand why my voice is useful i understand how my adding this voice to this conversation helps both me and the company i am comfortable knowing that if i take a let's call it a calculated risk I'm willing to push the boundaries a smidge but not in a way that's like obviously porn yeah let's put porn under my brand name yeah let's do that 
assuming you're not a porn company, in which case I'm assuming that's okay. I wouldn't know. Um, you know, if you're not asking, you know, I'm going to, yeah, I think I'm going to post those trade secrets to uh, Facebook. Yeah, sure. Obviously, there are certain lines you can't cross. But if you say, look, if you thought, hey, hey, employee, we were asking to do this. If you thought this made sense and you could justify it in your own mind and it wasn't quite right and you're willing to take it down, we're not going to hold you. We're not going to you know, beat you up for that. We're not going to fire you because you made a mistake. If you did it for the right reasons and you had the right intentions and you can really kind of justify how that worked, we totally get that. We totally get that. You don't know our job as well as we do. We don't know your job as well as you do. Let's just kind of trust each other a little bit. That's how you engender trust and remove uncertainty. People will be willing to share your Facebook posts to their network, your tweets, your LinkedIn posts, et cetera, et cetera. You, let's hear, here's the thing. Let's say you want to show off how amazing your office is. You have one of those super cool offices with beanbag chairs and slides and whatnot. I don't know, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not fully embrace the whole startup model of how of building design yet. <laughs> I have a smidge of experience in that. I kind of go, okay, cool, I guess. Um, but let's say you have a gorgeous office, and I've seen some gorgeous. And here in Chicago, there, man, there's some gorgeous offices. Let's just not even kid. Let's say you want to show it off. Yeah, you could hire a professional photographer to come in and make some glossy shots, and you probably should because there's going to be uses for that. But let's say you want people to take pride in their space. One of your selling points is that the reason people work for you is because you have one of the most amazing offices in your particular town. Okay, let's say. You're going to base your entire brand on your, your office. Obviously, you won't, but it's, it's a function of it. You care so much about your people that you make the most gorgeous office space possible, uh, available to them so that they can really uh, focus on their work. I don't know, something like that. <clears throat> what you need to do is then ask your staff to take pictures. Share them on their networks. Now, if we're talking pictures, we're talking visual mediums, visual social media. You're talking Instagram. <clears throat> Hold on, I got a cough. Sorry about that. Um, you're talking Instagram. You're talking Snapchat. You're talking Facebook to some extent in that it's Instagram, but it's also a little bit more. You're not talking Twitter. You're not talking LinkedIn so much. Maybe they make a video. If this was a year ago, you'd be talking Vine, but Vine's kind of dead, so no, not so much. Um, Meerkat and Periscope. Eh, Meerkat's dead, right? Yeah, Meerkat's dead. Periscope's still alive, technically. Facebook Live, however, still really a thing. Um, you want to enable people to show off that stuff and if you look on places like product uh product hunt which is the probably the best uh listing of new products and new tech coming out that you know before the world kind of gets a sense of it you, you can kind of see what the insiders see go take a look at it once every couple of days just to see what kind of products are happening there is a slew of plugins for instagram to allow you to do all sorts of things one i started to use last yeah uh, last couple of days is a panorama slider. So you know that you can Instagram, and this is getting in the weeds, I apologize, but it's kind of cool. So let's say you know on Instagram you can put up a couple of photos so you can slide and swipe them left and right to kind of show multiple photos in a single post. You can take a panoramic shot and it will slice it up for you and embed it in, in, in Instagram to be a swipeable panorama. So it looks like one big long shot, but it's really two, three, four, five individual photos that it's stitched together for you. It's a kind of cool little plug-in. You know, it's right up there with Boomerang and right up there with, um, 
a prisma with all the cool filters and stuff. There's all these ways of kind of putting some interesting spins technologically on a basic idea of here's a picture of a thing. So you want your staff because this is authentic and real and honest and you want to activate the different facets and elements of your uh, ambassadors about this idea of your office is gorgeous. You want them all to take pictures and share them with their network. Hey, cool, look at my desk. Now, in your mind, you think they're all going to take pictures of the artwork and send them to friends. And what your employees heard was, hey, I'm going to take a look at my, hey, take a look at my desk. Now, some companies, the concept of taking a picture of one's desk and sending it to the world puts their legal team, let's just call it in a tizzy. <laughs> let's be kind. They freak their freak out. They freak out. You might be sharing and oh my God, they can see and then you can see the other brands that maybe, you know, there's an Apple brand because you have an Apple computer or a PC or, you know, you've got a, a Lenovo or whatever. You've got these headphones and you've got this printer and you've got, oh my God, these other brands are existing on your, our branded stuff, blah, 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 blah. Or God help you, they can see the binder that says project what's it, who's he what's it and it says due January 3rd. And now other people know that this is a project that we're doing, it's due January 3rd. You're allowing company knowledge to get out and suddenly you shut it down because everybody freaked out because you didn't establish what was okay. You allowed uncertainty to rule. You allowed confusion to kind of take over. And what happens when confusion happens, the lawyers show up and they shut it all down. Simple as that. That's what lawyers do, right? Their job is to shut it down. <laughs> we could get sued. Shut it down. What you need to do instead is say, look, hey, everybody, we want you to show off the amazing space you work, some of which we've done for you, some of which you've done. You've personalized your space or you've voted on artwork or office names or whatever you've done. You know, you've played a part in this new office space. Show it off. Hey, by the way, do me a favor. Don't do this or this. Just kind of avoid that if you can. Show them off. You're going to get amazing photos. You're going to get so many amazing photos that you should be smart and just say things like, hey, use this hashtag so we know you're doing it and we can see it and we can collect them because we want to use them too. We think they're great. That's how you do it. You give them just enough room. You give them a very specific ask. Take a picture of your office and office space, whether it's common areas or, co or conference rooms or your desk or whatever, the, the lunchroom. Sometimes lunchrooms are cool. Uh, or the building itself, or the parking lot, maybe, I don't know. Um, you give them a very specific ask. You tell them what the guidelines are. Don't do that, don't do that. Then what do you want them to do with that? Put it here. You gave them a why. Hey, in order to show off how great our office space, show us your perspective of the office. You've kind of checked all the boxes. You've done your job. You've created an ambassador. Now, if they push that to their network, you, that, their network, you know, people you would not normally have to pay money to reach out to, just got a positive brand impression of your company. Something that would normally cost a couple hundred bucks. Up to. Times however many people are in the office doing this, this is something that has real value. Do not downplay the value of this. A hundred photos on Instagram and, and Snapchat and Facebook Live or whatever that's money. If you had to pay to get it to see, be seen by a couple thousand people, that would cost you. Take it seriously. <laughs> Don't just say, oh, just let people take photos and that's cool. We're good. No. If, if someone says, here's your budget of five or $10,000 to build an ad, you'd take that seriously. Well, the value you're getting out of getting all the people to take these pictures of your office and putting out in their network is effectively the same. So take it equally seriously. Take it seriously.
Think it through. Give guidelines. Un remove uncertainty. Give a why. Collect them. Show them off. Give a feedback loop where you say, here are the top 10 photos of our office. By the way, we're putting, on these web putting them on their website because we think they're fantastic. Incentivize it. You can go nuts with this stuff. This is, this is your job. This, I don't need to tell you what to do. This is how you close the loop. This is how you get people to become ambassadors. This is just step one. Once you get everybody to send, take pictures of your office, what else can they do? What stories can they tell? Can they tell a story about how they helped a customer? Are you customer-centric? Is that what your business is all about? Get them to take pictures of that company. Uh, get them to take, tell stories of customer service. Maybe it's internal only. That's fine too. Rules are slightly different, but again, you're taking this seriously. You gotta take this seriously because this is a huge opportunity for you to enable tens and dozens and hundreds of thousands of other people to extend your brand to people you would never get a chance to. Let's take this to its end conclusion before I wrap this up. Let's say you're a global brand. My day job involves a global brand. I have to get people in Poland to be engaged with employer brand. I don't know Polish. I've never been to Poland. Closest I've been was Czechoslovakia. Uh, no, it wasn't Czechoslovakia. That was a long time ago. It was uh, Czech Republic in 95, 94, 94. Um, yeah, long time ago. Not close to it, really. I don't know. And I was there for three days. What do I know about Poland? I know nothing. I will freely admit, I know nothing about Poland. So how do I get them to tell their employer brand story? Well, my job is to provide a framework, an idea, a North Star, some guidelines. And I talk to the people in Europe who run the employer brand there and say, look, this is what we want to do. These are the goals we want to achieve. How do we make this more granular so that a person who is working in Poland can help us activate this for other people in Poland? If you follow the guidelines, remove uncertainty, establish rules, give the why, provide a feedback loop, you're going to get great stuff. You can just extrapolate it out. Simple as that. All right, so that has been our episode on how to turn your employer, employer brand, try to turn your employees into ambassadors of your employer brand. Uh, that's a complicated sentence for some reason. I don't know why I made it my title. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Otherwise, uh, I'll see you next week. If not, uh, by the way, thanks again for reviewing and please keep the reviews coming. I really do appreciate it. Reviews and ratings. Love them. It's what tells um, iTunes and other people, hey, keep floating this up and recommending this to people. This is kind of a good thing. And I think this is kind of a good thing because it's not a pitch zone and we're not selling anything, but we're trying to provide real, actual, useful ideas and, and strategies and tactics on how to do this work, this work better. Um, Thanks, by the way, unrelated story, if you're listening, I'm going to just take a minute here, to, I want to say it's either Ben or Brian, or maybe both. I don't know. We had a weird Australia week from according to my stats. <laughs> Some people in Australia went nuts for the show, like doubled my traffic for a day because of it. I'm not sure what happened, but I think it's you guys, so thanks. Uh, you know who you are. You've, you've reached out to me, and I appreciate that. Um, so thanks. So I guess, you know, Australia, it's a thing. There you go. Not that I didn't think it, it didn't exist before. Um, but, you know, I just don't really think, you know, I, I'm in my living room. I don't really think where this goes once I hit send. So thanks, everybody. Keep sharing it. Keep reviewing it. Keep rating it. I appreciate it greatly, greatly, greatly. And if you happen to be in, if you happen to download this in the first few days and you happen to be in the Twin Cities, I will be in the Twin Cities on Wednesday. So if you want to ping me and, and tell me we can say hello, um, you know, I'm presenting at the LEH, LEHRN Learn event for Twin Cities. So uh, that's what I'm doing there. So Thanks very much for listening. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.